0: Amen. Thank you so much, Kevin. We are making our way through the book of Romans, and we are at chapter 7 concerning the Christian and the law of Moses. This has been a perplexing issue for the church uh, from the very beginning. How does the Christian in the New Covenant relate to Moses' law in the Old Covenant? And Paul is going to teach us something, I think, here in Romans 7. Uh, We'll try to do two messages on chapter 7. And uh, this morning, let's look first of all at verses 1 through 4. Let me just read this passage. Do you not know, brothers? For I'm speaking to those who know the law, the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. And then he uses an illustration of this, verse 2 For a married woman is bound by the law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law of that marriage. She would be called, verse 3, an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she's free from the law and marries. And if she marries, she's not an adulteress. In other words, the point Paul is making, which we would all agree with, is that death dissolves the marriage covenant. Now, here's his point. He's not really talking about marriage as such, but verse 4. Likewise, my brothers, you have died to the law through the body of Christ. Every phrase there is important. You died to the law through the body of Christ. That you may be joined... That means joined in marriage or belong to another. That is him who has been raised from the dead. And in this way you bear fruit for God. God has always related to his people through a covenant. Two covenants to be exact both of these are compared to marriage covenants. Uh, Jeremiah 31, in verse 31, Jeremiah predicted a day when there would have to be a new covenant. You Remember how he brought the people of Israel out of Egypt? And on Mount Sinai, in the book of Exodus, they... He gave the Ten Commandments, and, and that's Exodus 20, and then chapter 22 and 23 are, are further commandments. There's actually like over 600 commandments in the Old Covenant. He gave that to them, and, and that covenant they did not keep. They were not faithful to God in the Old Covenant. So Jeremiah sees a day, Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-one when God will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and Judah. But it won't be like the covenant I made with the fathers on the day when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them. It's Jeremiah 31, verse 32. He was a husband to them. The Old Covenant was a marriage covenant between God and and Israel. But Jeremiah 31, verse 33, he goes on to say, here's the covenant that I'm going to make. Speaking of the New Covenant, he says, I will put my law within them and write it on their hearts. Then I'll be their God and they'll be my people. In other words, the Old Covenant was an external covenant written on tablets of stone the new covenant is different it is internal written on the heart and the mind laws may restrain sin but only grace will change the sinner people may be restrained from robbing or killing because they don't want to go to jail. But what if you could get away with it? What if you could steal something valuable and you're 100% sure no one would know? Well, the new covenant changes us from the inside there was, uh, uh, years ago, I, I was, my wife and I were visiting her parents down in, uh, near a, a town called Kenton, Ohio. Actually, her, her community was Mount Victory, Ohio, but that was far off. And it was an area where there was a lot of Amish people. And uh, as you know, Amish people, do not have any modern conveniences. They stay separated in everything. However, they would work for you. They would come and work. And, and so uh, in that way, uh, Jan's parents got to know some of them. And I believe it was her, Jan's dad that told me this, that there was a problem at the local gas station because the Amish teenagers uh, in their hats and garb and long dresses and such would go to the gas station and change into these short skirts and uh, modern attire for teens and then they would go to the mall spend the afternoon and then come back to the gas station change again and go home. That's what you call legalism. That's what you call external religion. It's as if to please God, I have to look a certain way, say certain things, conduct myself according to these regulations, and that pleases God. But it tends to be pleasing to men more than God. God wants our heart. It's like the young lady who was brought up to fear the Lord and to love God and the kids at school would make fun of her and they would persecute her, mock her. One day they tried to get her to go get drunk with them. We're all going to go get drunk. So they tried to make her go. And they knew of her faith and her relationship with her father. And she said, I'm, I'm not going to go. And they said, what's the matter? Are you afraid your daddy will hurt you? And she said, no, I'm afraid I'll hurt my daddy. See, that's capturing it. That's the core. It's not, it's not fear of the consequence But it is a love relationship. And it is stronger, that's new covenant, and it's stronger than any law that you can pass. So let's look at two or three things here in uh, Paul's section about the law. And the first thing that we would point out is, and this is vital he says, you have died to the law of Moses. That's in, in verse 1. He says, do you not know, brothers? I'm speaking to those who know the law. The law is binding on a person as long as he lives. But then in verse 4, likewise, my brothers, you have died to the law. You died to it. How did we die to the law? The old covenant law is like a husband that we were married to, but then we died. By the way, the law didn't die, but we died to it. That's a, that's a distinction Paul makes. How did we die? And he says in verse 4, you died to the law through the body Of Christ. In other words, when Jesus went to the cross. And died, he was crucified. God reckoned or identified Jesus as me. It was me that God was putting to death on the cross. There's an interesting... um, Illustration that Jesus gives referring to an Old Testament story in Numbers 21 where the people they had received uh, manna from heaven water from the rock they had, they had food to eat their clothes didn't wear out God had just wonderfully taken care of them and yet they murmured the whole time this constant complaining And accusing Moses of wanting to kill them. It was crazy. So God sent serpents to bite them. And here's the the powerful illustration. Uh, The serpent is a type or symbol or picture in both Old and New Testaments of who? Satan. Satan. And God is showing the people that Satan has bit them. He has injected the venom of ingratitude into their bloodstream. Have you ever seen somebody like that? They they they're critical and condemning and and arrogant and and detached and and uh, ungrateful and you know what's happened? When somebody's like that, they have been been bitten by serpents. Demon spirits have injected into their heart the same nature of the devil. They have participated in demonic activity and didn't know it. So he sent these serpents to bite them. And so then God said, okay, but now there's healing. He said, I want you to make a serpent out of brass and hang it up on a pole. And whoever will come and look upon that, meditate on that, they will be healed. They will live. Now here's what Jesus said. In John 3... 14 and 15. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. In other words, Jesus compares the crucifixion to the serpent in the wilderness. Why would Jesus be compared to a serpent? He says, just as Moses put up the serpent, I must be lifted up on the pole, the cross. I must become the serpent. So that if you look on me and believe on me, you'll be healed. You'll you'll live. Why on earth would Jesus be compared to a serpent? For this reason. Because Jesus was identified by God as me. I am a snake in the grass. (laughs) Everybody's nodding. (laughs) My wife's going. (laughs) I have taken on the nature of the devil. Most of us do not realize How bad we could have been. Jesus on the cross shows us how God viewed us apart from grace. We accuse, we are ungrateful, we murmur, we have all been bitten by the enemy. We reflect in some degree his nature. And when Jesus went to the cross, the accusatory, condemning, critical, arrogant Larry was put to death. God reckoned him as me and treated Jesus as me because Jesus in his body was identified with me. Jesus became me so I could become like Jesus. So when he says you died through the body of Christ, verse 4, that is the meaning and that is how you have been delivered from the law of Moses. Because you died. Romans 6, 6 says, now we know our old self has been crucified with Him. So the whole body of sin will be brought to nothing. We've been crucified with Him. Now, in what sense did we die to the law? And I I want to give you two points here. One is we died to the penalty of the law. That before God, we have been tried We have been found guilty, and we have been executed. So you have to go all the way to get the point. You have been tried, found guilty, and the sentence has been carried out in the cross. Amen? So God identified you. That was you on the cross. Jesus didn't die for his own sins. He died for our sins. And I think he died with specific people in mind and on his heart. And that's us. We died to the penalty of the law. So therefore, we have already suffered the penalty of the law and been executed. And it works something like this. Let's say that there's a bank in the neighborhood that's been robbed. And the police show up, and a crowd gathers, and I'm among them. And they ask if did anyone see anything? And I raise my hand, and I say, "I did." I saw who did it. And they run over to me and gather around. They got their notebooks and and their pencil ready. And they say, okay, who did it? And I say, Bonnie and Clyde. (laughs) (laughs) I seen them do it. And they look at each other. And then they put their pencils back in their pockets and put the notebook away. Because they know that's not going to work. Why? Because Bonnie and Clyde are dead. They died in 1934. And that is the way we must approach the law and its guilt-inducing condemnation. I know who did it, says the devil. Larry did it. Yeah, well, uh, that's like saying Bonnie and Clyde robbed the bank yesterday. I died to your accusation. I have already suffered the penalty of the things I know I did, including the things I could have done and would have done had God not interrupted my life with His grace. Do you know what the first command in the book of Romans is? Paul spends over six chapters telling us what God has done for us in Christ. And the very first command, that is in the Greek it's an imperative tense. In the, fir- the first imperative tense in the Greek text of the book of Romans is found in Romans 6.11. Give me the, uh, Romans 6.11. Here it is. So you must also consider or reckon... The word means to count, categorize. It does not mean to die to self. That's not what that means. It means you must reckon yourself, categorize yourself as one who has died to sin. You died. When did you die? In the body of Christ, at the cross. And now you must count yourself alive to God. That's your first order of business. When you come to Christ is to recognize God has evaluated me and there's no need in bartering or excusing or defending or anything like that. Just accept the fact that I'm a guilty sinner but I've already had the penalty executed upon me at the cross of Jesus Christ. So the first thing To know is that we have been delivered from the penalty of our sin. Here's the second thing we're delivered from regarding the law. Not only the penalty, but we also died to the authority of the law. What is the new covenant Christian? What law does he follow? Um... Uh, Romans 8, 2, The law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There's a law of the Spirit inside of us. Listen to Matthew 28, 18 to 20, and put put that one up there. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, And teaching them to observe, now notice this, all that Moses commanded you. (laughs) It's not right, is it? All that I have commanded you. There's the authority. It is the authority of Jesus. We are not under the authority of Moses, but the authority of Jesus. And by the way, does this mean, well, then we just throw off the Old Testament, throw off the law? No one loves the Old Testament more than I do. But I recognize there are two covenants. And the, our authority is in Jesus Christ, the Lord, the risen Lord, and I am in covenant with Jesus. I am not in, both a, I am not in two marriages at the same time, Moses and Jesus. All of the Ten Commandments, just so you know, are repeated in the New Covenant and made a matter of the heart. Thou shalt not murder, Old Covenant. Don't hate your brother, New Covenant. Thou shalt not commit adultery, Old Covenant. Don't lust in your heart, New Covenant. Internal. And all of the... Commandments, the moral commandments, you don't lose anything in the new covenant. The law is internalized by the Holy Spirit. But we don't keep it because Moses said to, We keep it because Jesus, the risen Lord, by his Spirit dwells in me and writes that law in my heart and a whole lot more. There's one commandment in the Ten Commandments that is not repeated in the new covenant, in the New Testament, the whole New Testament. One commandment, it is the commandment to keep the Sabbath day, which is Saturday. Jesus never said, keep the Sabbath. When He rose again, He was born under the law. He kept the law. He was circumcised the eighth day. He made the sacrifices, uh, attended the synagogues and the temple worship as a good Jew. But when he died, he died and passed out from under the old covenant law. And when we come to Christ, we do not come to a Jewish law-keeping Messiah. We come to a risen Messiah who is out from under the law. We are married to him who is raised from the dead. So, he says in verse 4, that you may be joined to him who was raised from the dead, that you may be joined in a marriage covenant, belong to another. At the core of the Christian faith is His love for us and our love for Him, which the Holy Spirit gives us. At the core of the Christian faith is love for God and from God. You can have communism without Karl Marx. You can have Buddhism without Buddha. You can have Islam without having Muhammad. But you cannot have Christianity without Jesus Christ. He is Christianity. And we must give people the patience and the prerogative of working things out with their Savior... I'm not the Lord. Duh, (laughs) there's a shocker. I'm not the Lord. I'm not the boss. Jesus is the Lord and the head of the church. And at its core is your relationship to Jesus Christ. That's the marriage covenant the church has with the Savior. Some weeks ago, uh, Jan usually just tells me what to put in the bank for the week. And I dutifully obey. So some weeks ago, she texted me and said, you need to put $300 in the checking account to cover everything for the week. So I went up and I put in $500 and i texted her back and i said i put in 500 the extra 200 is so i can get a kiss tonight <laughs> 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 and she texted me back and said you don't need 200 dollars i thought oh then i got to thinking about that Wait a minute, did she mean I could get it for cheaper than 200 <laughs> I could get a kiss for 100 How about a peck on the cheek for 50 But that's not what she meant, is it? And of course, I was kidding her. She was kidding me, I'm pretty sure. I did get my kiss. It cost me 200.) <laughs> but there, there's no bartering with God there. You don't pay, you don't perform so God will love you and embrace you in the New covenant. In the Old covenant, you worked six days and obeyed six days then you rested. That's, whole, that's the symbolism of the Old Covenant. Because at the end of your performance and self-effort, then you have rest. But in the New Covenant, we begin in rest. Ours is the first day of the week. We begin embraced by our Heavenly Father. We begin loved by our Heavenly Father. We don't have to work all week to get it. We work from it. We work in it. Let me give you this verse. Colossians 2, verse 13 and 14. Pull that one up for us. He has forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt. Now see, that. what's that? That's the penalty of the law. He canceled the record of debt that stood against us. Now notice the next phrase. Along with its legal demands. What's that? That's all the requirements of the Old Testament. Bring the sacrifices. Do it through the priesthood. Make sure you go to the temple to do it. Keep the Sabbath. All of those things. He says, all this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. The authority of the law, we're not under. We're under the lordship of Jesus. The penalty of the law, we're not under that either. Jesus, I died in Christ through the body of Christ. Paul wrote, Galatians 5, 22, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness goodness faithfulness that's the fruit of the holy spirit in us gentleness self-control and against in the light of such things you do not need the law galatians 5:22 and 3 why has paul introduced the law at all because he's telling us how to change He's talking about. He's been talking about sanctification. And he's, he's diverted a little bit to say, now where does the law fit in here? Do we get saved by grace and justified by grace through faith and then sanctified by keeping the law? No. We died to the law. It's penalty and it's authority. Knowing Jesus Christ... Both justifies and sanctifies. Praise God. So the core Christianity. Here we're right at the very foundations. And I close with this. In Matthew 17, Jesus went up uh, what they think is Mount Tabor. It's a, it's a it's a big mound. Really, but Jesus went to the top of it and took three disciples with him. And on top of that man, I mean, you imagine Jesus and his disciples standing at the very top like some kind of lightning rod. And suddenly God comes down in a glorious light and transforms him. It's like something from Star Wars. This supernatural transformation from the inside out. And then all of a sudden, Moses comes. And then Elijah comes. Moses represents the law, Elijah, the prophets. And they are talking to Jesus. And Peter, beside himself, says, Lord, we should make three Big tabernacles to worship in, one for Moses, one for you and one for Elijah. And God, the Father, he could not be quiet at that. He spoke, and he said this: "This is my beloved son. Hear him, Him. Not Moses, not Elijah. And the disciples looked up and it says they saw Jesus only. That's the authority the Father wants us to follow. The law and the prophets come in because they lead us to Jesus. His glorious person as Son of God outshines and causes to dim both law and prophets. Hear ye Him. That's the message. That's what Paul says will change you. Ushers, you get ready. And speaking of hearing Him, let us pray. Let us worship Him with tithes and offerings today. And uh, as we pray, I think the young people have a, a little brief video that they're going to show during our offering from the retreat last Sunday. So let's pray, and then we'll see the video and worship with our tithes and offerings. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have removed us from the awful penalty and and harsh authority of the law. I can only stand in awe. Of how you have made me, you have made Christ into me, that you may make me into Christ. I thank you for that. Bless our offering today in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.